Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Industry 4.0 in the Intelligent Enterprise, presented by SAP. The best run SAP. You'll hear from the experts who know how to digitize and renew business models for better results in manufacturing businesses. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, this is where the best run, so you're in the right place. I am so excited and proud to welcome a new series to the Game Changers radio family. The title is Changing the Game with Industry 4.0 in the Intelligent Enterprise. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I welcome our listeners around the world. This series is going to be great. You want to listen and take in all the wonderful thought leadership we're going to be bringing you. So as usual, I'm starting out with the buzz. What's the buzz today? And I have a quote from a gentleman named Bernard Marr, who is a contributor to Forbes.com. And this is a quote back from 2016, but I think it still works. So listen up. He said, in this fourth revolution, we are facing a range of new technologies that combine the physical, digital, and biological worlds and will impact all disciplines, economies, and industries, and even challenge our ideas about what it means to be human. Wow, that packs a punch. There's a lot. We're going to be finding out how that really applies. So let me give you a little background on Industry 4.0. We're going to be talking in this series about what are the drivers, the challenges, and the opportunities, because it matters to you, wherever you are in the world, whatever your company, your footprint, your maturity, whatever industry you're in now, and you might be in a different industry tomorrow. Where is Industry 4.0 today? Where is it headed? Why does this matter to you and to the world? So Industry 4.0, just to level set, started with with the concept of an intelligent factory, and it strove to automate manufacturing, but today it is much more than just intelligent factories, and they're a big deal on their own. It's all about designing and manufacturing intelligent products and assets, and about empowering employees, and that's important today, to leverage the data from these intelligent products and assets to make predictive prescriptive and automated decisions across the entire supply chain. Now, I've already said a lot, but we're going to introduce two guests in a moment who are going to help us put Industry 4.0 to work for your company. You need to think of it company-wide today, right now, tomorrow, and going forward for the long term. Why is this important? You want to stay connected with your customers. You want to be integrated with your partners and Maybe most important, you want to stay far ahead of your competition. So I have two experts that are going to talk about this and educate me, educate you, and we're all going to learn a lot. First up in a moment, we'll be hearing from Hans Talbauer, spells his last name T-H-A-L-B-A-U-E-R. He's the head of digital supply chain, go-to-market, and sales at SAP. Welcome to Hans. And joining him on the panel, we have two real heavy hitters here today. Thomas Onimus, he spells his last name O-H-N-E-M-U-S. He's the vice president of of Solution Marketing, Digital Supply Chain, and Industry 4.0 at SAP. Welcome to my special guest, Hans. I'm thrilled to have you here. You and I met a couple years ago on a different radio show for SAP. Why don't you tell us what you do, what your background is, and what 4.0 means to you? Welcome, Hans. Hello, Bonnie. Thank you for having me. Um, mm -hmm. And absolutely. So let me talk a little bit about my background and uh, explain a little bit where I'm coming from and, and what I'm doing at SAP. Um, I'm now 20 years at SAP. Um, started January 1st, 2000 uh, in Waldorf. Um, I then moved to the U.S. actually in 2005 and 
I live now in San Francisco, um, and all the time I'm with SAP, all the time I was working in the area of supply chain, manufacturing, uh, product innovation, operations. So all these topics, which we call digital supply chain. Um, in the recent years, uh, when we uh, really look at the evolution and uh, what is going on in the market, um, the topic of Industry 4.0 became more and more important. Um, you gave an excellent introduction already into this uh, huge topic, what it can mean, what it can do uh, to the world, what it can do to all the enterprises and companies um, around the world. Uh, we do see, see a huge opportunity. Uh, we do see actually a game changer with Industry 4.0. And I'm happy to really discuss that at length now uh, with uh, Thomas and with you uh, on this show. A uh, little bit more to my background. I originally I come from Austria, I have a degree uh, from the University uh, of Vienna. Um, and like I said, I joined SAP 20 years ago. That's me. Thank you very much, Hans. Pleasure to have you on. I'm I'm actually very honored. I know how busy you and Thomas are, and we're very happy you're making the time for this. Thomas, it's your turn. Tell us, what do you do? And you, you've been on Game Changers with me before, but this is a brand new series. Are you excited about this series, Thomas? This is a big deal, right? Absolutely, this is a big deal. And uh, yeah, thank you for having me as well. Yes, we talked about uh, similar technology transformation topics years ago, and uh, now here we are back with uh, Industry 4.0, and it's a super important topic and also an interesting topic now over years. But to myself, a little bit background here, I started it's, uh, a while ago, uh, and I studied engineering, and this was the time where uh, universities at a the drawing board got replaced through a computer. And I was so uh, impressed about that step that I joined the company with my professor and we started a software company or he started it and I was just a student there. And this whole journey went off uh, that I never at the end worked uh, then laid on as an engineer. I did a lot of software activities, service and so on and, and did product marketing and solution marketing here now at SAP more than 15 years. Um, so that's the way how I came to product marketing from an engineering background. Huh. The reason for that is that this whole digital transformation uh, helped, in, like the engineers, go from a board to a computer. And so in all other areas, similar steps happened, which was always super exciting. So that's my background. I like that you said super exciting. I think this, Hans, let me ask you, are you excited about 4.0? Is this something the companies, instead of saying, oh, we have to invest more, we have to learn more, should they be saying, yes, look at the way it's evolved, look at the digital world? What do you think? Is there an excitement in this whole topic of 4.0, Hans? There's a huge excitement um, and there's a huge opportunity. Um, like I mentioned already, it, it really opens up uh, complete different ways of looking into um, the supply chain into manufacturing, into how you run your business. Um, but it really does, and we come back to that again and again, but it really does. Is, uh, you know, if you look at companies, how they run their supply chains right now, it's very reactive. There's an issue, there's an alert, and you try mm -hmm. to solve the alert. But what Industry 4.0 is allowing us to do is to look into the future. We predict actually what might happen. And this is because we have the data, because we can talk with, to, uh, connect to the things and the things are talking. And so therefore, we are now able 
to predict. And this is, of course, changing uh, the way how you run the supply chain, the manufacturing processes, the operation processes, everything. Um, and a very, very different world, a very new world. And that is what we call super exciting. It is super exciting. I can I can hear people, especially manufacturing, when they hear about this, saying to themselves, finally, at last, we can know what's going to happen and we can do a better job. I'm just, I'm just pontificating here. I want to tell my listeners that this is the part of the show where my panelists are going to take a quote they sent me in advance, and I asked them for a quote from a famous person, a book, a movie, a song that has nothing to do with the topic, something provocative, a little edgy, maybe inspirational, and we're going to, I'm going to read the quote with the background of the source, and then I'm asking them to explain how the quote relates to our topic today and to this wonderful show we're starting, this this great, oh, by the way, I have to do a shout out to Richard Howells. If I didn't already, Richard put this together when he approached me and said, we need a series on, on 4.0. And so, Richard, thank you very much. So let's get to the first quote. Hans sent me a quote from Steve Jobs, Stephen Paul Jobs. 1955 to 2011, an American business magnet, industrial designer, investor, and media proprietor. I've never heard him described that way. But getting down to the real business, he was the chairperson, chairman, CEO, and co-founder of Apple Inc., uh-huh, the chairman and majority shareholder of Pixar. He's a member of the Walt Disney Company's board of directors following its acquisition of Pixar and the founder, chairman, and CEO of Next Any capital XT, and he's widely recognized as a pioneer in the personal computer revolution of the 70s and 80s. I didn't realize it went back that far, along with Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak, who did a decent turn on Dancing with the Stars. Here is the quote from Steve Jobs that Hans has selected. If you really look closely, most overnight successes took a long time. Hans, please relate this to 4.0 for us. Yeah, it resonates with me very well, and uh, I really like this uh, because, you know, there are all these ideas out there uh, in, in the world, um, and this is really, really, um, especially when you live in Silicon Valley, everywhere, right? A um, lot of new innovation. You can see it. You can feel it. Um, but when it becomes to really, uh, the definition of success is when it really gets to adopt, being adopted by many, many people. I would say even by millions of people. Um, and so, for me, the way how I think about this also in the context of Industry 4.0 is it started with proof of concept. It started with trying to connect to machines, to assets, and to learn. Um, and it really took quite a time now uh, to really come to a stage where uh, we are getting into a scalable mode. Scalable means uh, companies really starting to use these concepts and connecting to the things for the entire enterprise, for all the plants, for all the trucks they have, so that they really get a, a digital twin of the real world uh, in, into their system and with that enable uh, to run their businesses differently. So, you know, for me, that quote actually re relates perfectly. Um, it took really quite some time to get to this stage. Uh, now it's about how can we make it a big success? How can it be scalable? How can, be, how can it be adopted uh, by hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of companies around the world. Wonderful quote, Hans. I have a question for you. Do you think people who've been in leadership or ascended to leadership in the manufacturing field, let's focus for that right on that right now, do you think people who've been around 20, 30 years feel like with the advent or with the evolution of Industry 4.0, this industrial revolution of the fourth level, do you think that they're saying, 
OMG, I'm living in a sci-fi movie. Everything has changed. Look at this technology. Look at what we know. Do you think there's that, not just excitement, but this wonderment of what can happen now? What do you, what have you observed in customers and clients and partners? What do you see? When you look, um, into manufacturing plants, let's start really on the shop floor and in manufacturing plants. It is quite amazing what you see nowadays. Um, there is automation at the highest level ever. You have robots working next to people, um, and they're working hand-in-hand, hand, if you will. You have uh, automation not only in uh, the shop floor, but also connected with the warehouses. Um, you see drones and robots, um, conveyor belts, and everything actually connected uh, automatically. What it did is, of course, you know, when you go to this plant, you hardly see operators. You see more and more service technicians for the maintenance purposes, but the operation is pretty much in a highly automated fashion. And if you think this is only true, let's say, here in North America or in Europe, um, no, that's not true. If you go to China, you see the same thing. If you go mm -hmm. to uh, all parts of this world, um, you really see this high degree of automation. And, of course, there is a challenge with that, right? So there's fear. Mm -hmm. What does it do to my jobs? What are the, yes. does it do to jobs overall? Um, but I think that the answer is also there are new opportunities. There are a complete set of new jobs um, and new uh, 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 profiles which are out there which didn't exist 10 years ago. Who would have thought that data scientists are now this main uh, uh, request, actually, where you can apply for jobs? 10 years ago, nobody would have said, well, I need a data scientist in order to run manufacturing. Right? So there are a lot of these uh, new opportunities and new uh, aspects which are, have been introduced the last 10 years um, and which um, are not making it a, a, a challenge, but really creating it an opportunity. Thank you very much. Thank you for indulging my question. I was just curious about the, the human side of it. We always try to make sure we keep keep the human element in these business and tech conversations. Thank you, Hans. Thomas is waiting patiently. Thomas, I had a guest on one of the Game Changer shows a couple months ago, and I, he was the third one, and I was getting to his quote, and I said, Bob has been waiting patiently, and he chimed in, how do you know I'm being patient? <laughs> I, I, I try to resist saying that, but Thomas, Thomas has sent me a quote from Blaise Pascal, a French mathematician and philosopher and the quote I'm going to read in French because I just want to polish off my long sitting <laughs> French. It's from uh, a letter in the collection Lettres Provençales in 1657. I love when we go back in time and find quotes that would really apply today. Thomas, you're going to have your work cut out for you to explain this one on our topic, but let me read the French first and then I will relieve the audience of the suspense. So the quote in French is Je n'ai fait celle-ci plus long que parce que je n'ai pas eu le loisir de la faire plus courte. I hope I did justice to that. I highlighted each Wonderful. section so I could pull it out in French. Now, here's the real quote. If I had more time, I would have written a shorter letter. Thomas, how in the world did you find a quote from the 1600s? We're now in 2020. I love the quote. Please explain what does it have to do with Industry 4.0. This is going to be good. Go ahead, Thomas. Yeah, that's uh, unbelievable. It's more than 300 years or 350 <laughs> years ago that this quote was written. And the reason why I've selected that quote is, um, it's, and it's interesting that it happened even 300 years ago, that uh, hectic and the speed is constantly increasing. 
And uh, I, I found this quote so interesting is that specifically to the communication part today, everyone is, oh, the um, volume of communication is exploding through new technologies, through new um, capabilities you have when you go back 100 or 200 years where they had to write a letter. <laughs> That's the reason why it's quite interesting that 300 years ago, he already find it uh, very fast. Uh, but the important is the speed that we have uh, helps people or drive people very often to do things in an effect and don't think through. Now, the reason why I've selected that for Industry 4.0, Industry 4.0 opens up all a, a huge amount of new technologies. Hans alerted uh, a lot of them already uh, that are available today from automation, digital connectivity, data collection, much more insights that you have today than ever before in businesses, in processes, in activities that are going on, even what people are doing. And I think... With industry for that, though, you need to take the time to think through what you want to do. So you need to have a plan, a strategy to figure out where to start and what is your goal you want to achieve. And that could be a long journey. It could be a short mm -hmm. or a long journey. But if you just start from an effect perspective, it's like with the long letter. Very often you write a long letter, but you tell nothing. The same can happen with industry for that, though. So think through, and then you will be successful. That's the reason why I selected a quote and linked it to industry for it all. I love it. I love quotes that go way back in the past. I, I have a question for you. Oh, I just my computer just went to backup battery. That's very interesting. I think we're okay now. You never know with the weather here. Uh, so my question to you, Thomas, is the same one I asked to Hans a few minutes ago. Do you think there's a sense of wonderment? And he brought in the question of trepidation with Industry 4.0, especially in manufacturing. Do you think leaders are saying, OMG, there are three robots working next to me. Maybe I'll have to take a two-week vacation and they're not going to use their vacation time and they're going to get a letter of commendation. I'm making this up, but what do you think? Yeah, that's definitely uh, an, a fear that is out in the market and Hans alerted to that as well. When automation also replaces manual work and you could see it from a positive perspective that heavy lifting work, so really hard work, can be replaced by robots and people can be relieved and they don't have to work and do the hard stuff, they do more brain work. But of course, this creates a lot of fear for, for those who are working since years, maybe decades, in a certain role and now there is a, a robot aside of you and is doing the same job. But like Every decade, every um, generation, you have to learn and constantly learn and move on in what you do. And um, I think specifically in America, you always look forward. And it's very positive mm -hmm. and optimistic and try to do the next. And I think that's the same with Industry 4.0. Um, there is no way back. There is only a way forward. And uh, with that, you have to take that and see this as an opportunity and not, not as a fear. 
I like that opportunity and not fear. There's some some hallmarks of what we're talking about today for everybody. We're going to ask. I'm going to ask my panelists. I want to get a little more up close and personal with both of you, so the audience knows they already know you're very smart, very articulate, very savvy, very committed, and passionate about the topic. But I think they'd love to know, and I would. Was there anything special you were drinking on New Year's Eve? Because it's still January 2020, and we started not only a new year but a new decade. At least that's the position I'm taking. So Hans, anything special happening or anything special happened or in your glass, your mug, your stein, your flute on New Year's Eve that you want to share with us? <laughs> uh, nothing really special. But what I always like to do, I go back to Austria and celebrate New Year's with family and friends. Um, and this is a very special time for me uh, every year. Um, and meeting people I didn't see the whole year and uh, yeah, just have a very, very nice time and talk with them about what happens. Um, not talking about business, not talking uh-huh. about uh, what's going on with Industry 4.0, uh, but really what's going on in their lives and what happened. I, I, this is what I really enjoy. And of course, as an Austrian, I drink beer and wine, right? So uh-huh. it's a mixture there. Um, and uh, I do both. Uh, and I had both. So it was a fun time. Good to know. Family and friends are always wonderful, especially on the holidays. I like the fact you said you didn't talk about business. I bet it was tempting. Uh, Thomas, what were you doing at the switchover from the nineteen, the year of 19 to the year of 20? And I'm calling this the new Roaring Twenties. Nobody else has said that. I'm not copywriting it, but I thought that would be a fun way to look at it. It's going to be roaring from a tech standpoint. So what were you doing? What were you drinking on New Year's Eve? Thomas? Yeah, from uh, my side, we I also enjoy uh, celebrating Christmas with my family, and I'm still super proud and happy uh, that my two boys, who are 25 and 26, are celebrating Christmas with us. So that's still super cool. Uh, I like that uh, a lot, and it's a great time to come together. And we also join uh, the whole family, uh, which comes from a farm in Black Forest, so a real farm with cows and all that forest and all the things and you can imagine there's definitely no talk about IT and technology there's how you work in the forest and how you bring the cows to the field and so on so that's a a super level set for me to reality I enjoy that and uh, makes me happy always what were you drinking anything special and drinking okay I forgot okay of course I reserve (laughs) um I, I wait a long time for that. Uh, very good about a good bottle of wine, red wine, mm-hmm. uh, for Christmas. And uh, I open it at Christmas and we drink it together. And like every year this year, it was again a wonderful experience. Glad. Good, good to plan for a special New Year's Eve. Thank you very much. Let's go to, this is the part of the show, telling my listeners, in case you haven't listened to our several thousand Game Changers radio shows over the past nine years, any of them, the format is that after we talk a little bit up close and personal, as I just did with my two very esteemed guests, we get into a discussion roundtable about the topic. So I asked Hans Talbauer and Thomas Onimus in advance to prepare statements for me that would educate Educate me and help me lead a a lively and robust conversation about 4.0, Industry 4.0. So what I'm going to do is pick a statement from Hans's list and ask him to expand it for just a couple of minutes and then get Thomas to comment on it. Then I'll pick a statement from 
Thomas's list, ask him to expand it and have Hans comment on it. So we're going to expand these statements so we can add as much value to our listeners' time because we do value your time uh, so that you'll, you'll understand what you need to know as we launch this exciting new series. Hans, you sent me the following. I'm going to read from the beginning of your statements. You say, when we talk about Industry 4.0, We need to talk about the trends that are impacting and accelerating the fourth industrial revolution. And the first point you bring up, I think, is a great place to start. You say, the global economy is a global network of business partners. Therefore, what happens in one part of the world has an impact on the other parts of the world. Hans, what do you think? Good place to start our conversation? It's an excellent place to start, and I always like to start really from thinking a little bit from a macroeconomical perspective um, from a higher level and then go deeper. Um, and what you just explained, I think it, it, it's really um, really driving yeah, the whole discussion, right? Um, we are living in a very connected world. Um, I'm not talking about globalization and all of this. It's a connected world. Um, and we work, all the companies work with many business partners around the world. So therefore, what happens in one part has an impact on the other part uh, of the world. Um, and so companies need to be aware of what is going on. Uh, and more and more, they need to be aware of what's going on. Their number one priority is to fulfill customer requirements, right? It's the desires of the customers, and they want to deliver to their customers' desires. And so this is what's driving them uh, in order to be successful. So if they would have an issue with a partner who just goes through a severe, better um, storm or whatever it is, um, then, of course, it has an impact on their delivery performance. So, therefore, if they would know, if they would know actually early enough, they can still react. So, this is the one piece to start with. This is kind of where the visibility is a very important topic. Of course, you know, in the volatility of the world, there are geopolitical influences, there are uh, severe weather influences. Um, we just saw in Australia the wildfire. We see mm-hmm. uh, the unrest in Hong Kong. We see all of this actually taking place. And all of that has a huge impact in how constantly companies are forced to adjust and adopt to these new realities um, in a almost real time, right? And mm-hmm. still being able to fulfill to the, custom, the, the customer's desires. So what is necessary is visibility. How do I get more visibility if I connect more and more uh, things um, in order to get a real-time picture of the real world, right? And things is a very broad term. A thing can be everything, actually. Uh, but in a, let's say, more ma- manufacturing, supply chain context, of course, it means the machines, it means the assets, it means the trucks, the planes, the ships. All of these can actually send information about the status where they are. And with that, I build a real-time, a a real picture of the real world. And this is the starting point, right? If I have this, now I can reduce the uncertainty. Now I can actually react in a much, much uh, better way. So I would say this is the starting point. We need to understand that. So there's the geopolitical aspect, there's the volatility aspect, there's severe weather. Uh, which drives the volatility uncertainty. With connectivity, we actually achieve a much better visibility and with that actually uh, reduce this uncertainty in, in the world. Thank you. Very important points. Uh, Thomas, I'd love to get you to comment, add, subtract, uh, add, add any case studies you have. Uh, agree or disagree? Let's start there with everything that Hans just shared with us. Go ahead, Thomas. I definitely agree. I think uh, what he alluded and, and described is exactly the reality that companies are facing today. 
the question is how they, they handle that and how they uh, manage it, how they get the insights, the global visibility um, to react very fast on weather conditions, on business conditions and, and so on. And uh, maybe one aspect to add, uh, Hans touched it as well, is uh, companies more and more also think about when you come to a global network and, and a global delivery, also a sustainability aspect, how they do things in a way that they have less negative impact to the whole condition of the world. Carbon impact, for example, how you transport in a better way. So all of that um, can be improved and done in a better way through insights, through technology, connectivity, connectivity uh, information, through connectivity that you maybe find better ways for transportation. Maybe you are go around in a traffic jam or um, a storm to uh, deliver on time and uh, or maybe sometimes you produce even in different countries to avoid transportation as well. So there is a, let's say, also a, a coming with Industry 4.0 or, or let's say with the technology behind Industry 4.0 also um, the resp responsibility as, a, as an important topic up uh, for taking care about the environment. So that's an interesting aspect as well, by side of business, of course, which is super important, but mm -hmm. do it also in a, let's say, sustainable way. Thank you very much. Thomas, I'm going to keep you in the, the hot seat here, if you will. I'm looking at your notes, and I want to talk about the origin, the genesis, basically, oh. of the concept. And let me read from your notes a little bit and ask you to expand it. I think the audience will find this very interesting. You say, the concept of Industry 4.0 was developed as a request from the German government to a group of academic and business people, and you mentioned A-C-A-T-E-C-H, architect, to develop a concept for how the industry can leverage new IT technologies to be competitive in the future. And then you add I-40, which is a, a an abbreviation, I for Industry 40 for 4.0, mm. uh, means many different things to different people and can vary from industry to industry and company to company. So why don't you help us level set going back in time? Why was this request made from the German government? To who, who were these academic and business people? Why was it important for them to do this? And what did they see it as in the beginning? Yep. Go ahead. And I, exactly. So I don't want to do whatever lecture about history, uh, but I mm -hmm. think this, uh, the reason why this whole thing uh, got introduced is exact the same reasons why every company today um, should look into or, and, and look into this topic of industry further, because it's just leveraging new technologies to improve your current situation to a better situation and be more efficient, more productive, and so on that you as a company are more competitive uh, or be key competitive in the global environment. So that's the, the history. And, and the German government at that time saw, oh, there are a lot of new technologies uh, available. Germany is a very manufacturing-heavy uh, market and uh, country. And uh, the government just wanted to ask key experts from an academic point of view, but also from a business point of view, what would you recommend how we leverage these new technologies that the, the country and our com manufacturers in the country are competitive and leverage that in the right way to be successful in the future? And they worked together, came up with a report, and this report got called Industry 4.0. Mm -hmm. um, and this is at the end the mother document for a recommendation, leverage this new technology in manufacturing. 
But after a while, this was growing from manufacturing to all other areas, uh, like Hans alluded, because you, you can't think just only in manufacturing. Uh, you, can, you, or you have to think in, an, in a business process. And these technologies even allow uh, to think in a business process. You can talk about automation and manufacturing, but of course you can also connect the truck. And so logistics and how you d deliver is um, meanwhile monitored through new technologies, uh, sensors, and you get the insights how you not only produce a product, how you deliver it. And so you, in, all, in all areas, these new technologies can be leveraged. And when you look to this report and how it was growing, this meanwhile, this was 2012, so it's eight mm -hmm. years ago, announced 2013, um, it got picked up uh, from the industry. And like always at the beginning, things are taking a, little bit, a while and slow a little bit. Also, <laughs> manufacturers are very hesitant to take um, guidance from, from academics. Um, mm -hmm. That's not really working very well. So they wanted to have some pilots and see how this is working. Uh, but meanwhile, now, eight years later, I think we are exactly at a, at a point, and this is what we, with Hans and I, uh, why we are so excited on it, what we point out is that the technology is there. Everything is there. It's at the end right now the question how to leverage it and make it happen. And the different countries around the world picked uh, these ideas up and, and flavored it, gave them also different names. And in the U.S., this is mainly um, discussed and, um, and well-known under the topic of IIoT mm -hmm. in combination with Industry 4.0 or in, in India, it's called Made in India in China, China 25, or there are other initiatives in France, uh, Alliance Industry du Futur <laughs> in France, or <laughs> Italy, and so on. So uh, a lot of countries have picked it up, gave them the individual flavor, because you have also individual and different environments to start. You can imagine there's a different starting point if you are in, in Central Europe, or you do this somewhere in a country where there is no electricity or no connection and so mm -hmm. on. So there are different environments and therefore also you have to describe it a little bit and adjust it to the uh, local priorities. Uh, but bottom line, this Industry 4.0 initiative is at the end a very well started initiative to help companies to leverage new technologies and be successful in the future. Thank you. Thanks for that overview. I really appreciate the list of what other countries outside the U.S. are calling it. Fascinating. Hans, let's get you back in here. Any thoughts about uh, how industry to industry, company to company, about the different flavors and interpretations of Industry 4.0, given that they all understand it's a digital transformation? Anything you want to add to that before I move to a different topic, Hans? Totally. Um, and you just mentioned it's a digital transformation. And, mm -hmm. you know, what it really means, what the core is of uh, the core idea is of it is uh, that we are able to evolve from a very transactional world to a data driven world. Uh, data driven means I have information which is available for me and I can make decisions based on this information. Uh, and with that, I'm much more flexible and faster. I can predict and and end. Um, at the moment, um, and definitely from the last 10 years, 20 years, and so on, we, we are used to very transactional processes, um, step one, step two, step three, and there will be still a step one, two, and three, but this step one, two, and three will be highly automated, and we use the data in order to adjust it, adopt it in real time on the fly. 
And this is the big promise. Um, and if you look at it, you know, we, we always had from machines, there were always sensors. Well, since quite some time, there are sensors on machines. And so a lot of data being produced every single second, every single millisecond, and you have these data lakes. But the data were not really being used. All this historian uh, data uh, available, but were not really used in order to really change the way how to run the business. And then with machine learning, artificial intelligence, technology, now we are able to start using this data and really start to predict what might happen. Right? If I look at the vibration analysis of a machine, I'm now able to say, I predict when this machine needs maintenance. And if I can predict that, then the machine is not breaking down. If the machine is not breaking down, then I still have time to really do demand supply planning and still make sure that customer gets actually the order fulfilled at the time that they wanted to have it. Right? So it has a huge impact. Um, and I think the core concept is changing from a very transactional world to a data-driven world. Thank you very much. Hans, I'm going to keep you on because... You mentioned about prescriptive, predictive, automated decisions, being able to know when a machine will stay in service, of course, eliminating surprises and shocks about last-minute repairs, urgency, quick machine number one is down, and that means the whole supply chain is compromised. But let's talk about putting this information, these new tools, this powerful digital world of data-driven decision-making into the hands of employees. I'm looking at one of your statements, and you say, Industry 4.0 includes empowering employees to leverage the data from these intelligent products and assets to make these better decisions across the supply chain. So we talk about we talked about the automation. We haven't talked in detail, although Thomas mentioned it, about data-driven business processes. But I'd like to focus on what does this mean for the employee? How do they get educated on this? How do they know where to find the data, what to do with it, mm. how they are em- empowered at what level to make these decisions? So, Hans, you want to talk about that, please? Perfect. Uh, absolutely. Um, and it, it's a very, very good question, right? We strongly believe um, that uh, people actually need to be enabled to make the right decisions. Um, and if you look at I just explained one single machine can uh, create trillions of data in a day. Um, and if you look at this for a manufacturing plant, then you can imagine how uh, what the data is, the, the volume of data. So if you now ask a human being, go and look at all this data and the patterns from this data and then start to calculate when we need to do maintenance for this machine, it would take too long. By then, the machine will break down. Right. So mm-hmm. we need to make sure that we enable people to really work with the data. So therefore, technology is quite important. And there were huge advances in, in technology in the past years. Of course, there's the connectivity layer, the IoT connectivity to leverage data. There's the way how to manage this and build this data lake, this huge data lake. So this technology is existing. And then the machine learning artificial intelligence technology, which now interprets the data and presents it to the people. Um, as I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, proposing here that the machine should do everything automated, but actually that the, the information is presented to people so that they always know what's going on. What we do with that is we free our people from this very transactional um, and monotone work, right? So where it's kind of really boring when you just need to type in some numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we enable them 
to really look at the data, look at the business, make business decisions. Uh, and we need to do that with analytical applications combined with uh, the processes, the business processes which are behind there. Right? So this is a very different world, a very different way of thinking. And it's, a, it's actually really, I think, a fun world for everyone uh, working in an enterprise, in manufacturing, supply chain, product innovation environment, because... Now they are not forced to just type in some stupid numbers. They actually get information in order to make business decisions. And with that, they actually help the company to thrive. They actually help the, help the company to really grow. And this is a very different approach, a very different profile um, in, for, for work. And of course, there is a change in how people need to be educated, how people need to adopt. But nobody should be afraid. Right? So it's not uh, that rocket science because... The technology is helping you uh, with the, the rocket science of managing the data patterns and so on. So now it's about really have a good business sense and make good business decisions. Um, and this is a, a change which uh, people uh, need to go through in, in these areas. Thank you very much. Let's look at what we have left. We've got a few minutes left of our conversation. I'm looking at Thomas's notes here. And Thomas, you've got some examples of companies with different focus areas on Industry 4.0. And you preface this in your notes with a comment. You say Industry 4.0 is a journey. There is no blueprint for how to implement 4.0 or I-40. So let's look at, um, you have a couple here. I'm going to let you pick if you want to do all three. I think we have time. One is manufacturing automation for Continental. One is asset performance, train Italia. And you have individual products at Sant'Angelo. Thomas, you want to tackle these for us? I think it'd be mm-hmm. interesting for the audience to hear. Yeah, let me start with the, with the Continental one, because mm-hmm. this is a manufacturing-heavy one, and Continental uh, started, they, had, they have several plants around the globe, and they want to digitalize uh, these plants, or get sensors on machines that you get information, what Hans uh, nicely described about the situation of the machine, but also how the machine performs and what is the output so that the next machine can be feeded. So they connected the machines to the back-end system, to applications, analyzed uh, the data, sent information back to the machine, and at the end you have an automated process. So they did that in one plant uh, to pilot the whole concept of digitalization of a manufacturing plant and learn how to do that. Because as Hans said, and for most companies, it is a journey in an area where you have no expertise. You have to ask for expertise, maybe from consultant or other companies, but it's an Every company is individual, so also this implementations are individual, and you have to see how these new technologies can can be leveraged for your advantage. So they did that with one plant, automated this plant, and developed at the end their own blueprint to automate manufacturing, but also get the transparency and information back to the workers in the plant and information up to the management, how the plant overall is performing. And then when they had this information and this blueprint, they copied it to five other plants around the globe and connected then the plants to a central system to get an overview for top management, how these five plants are performing and maybe how with this information can reshift orders to different plants to at the end fulfill the customer uh, requirements, the customer demand. So that was one example from Continental. There's another one, the 
which is more asset central. But when you look to assets, the machines that I just talked about in a production line, these are assets. So the vibration anal analysis that you get from a machine through sensors can help you to optimize this machine and that the machine is always running in the best performing way. The same can happen to industries where the product that they have is their asset with which they service a company. And that could be Train Italia, for example. It sounds a little bit strange and awkward for an industry 4.0, which is usually always manufacturing heavy, to mm -hmm. choose an asset company or a transportation company. But at the end, the concept of digitalization, collecting data, optimize the process, and optimize, your, in that case, your asset and your service is the same. They got overwhelmed from the information they got from a train with one train has more than 2,000 sensors. They got overwhelmed from the data. And uh, as Hans said, important is to make something with this data, analyze them. I always say it's, uh, you have to listen. If you compare this big data to a big noise uh, that you hear, You have to hear the music in this voice, in this voice, out of this big noise that is coming to you. What is the real information, the real data which you select, and then you optimize the train, you do it in the right way that he is really arriving at the right time, that it needs uh, maintenance only when it's needed and not when it's scheduled. So therefore, you also, so Train Italia reduced their maintenance cost of their assets up to 10%, which you can imagine is a huge number and a huge mm -hmm. saving. But the most important thing with this whole approach, they um, deliver a better service to their end consumers, so to, to their customers, because their trains are in time, they are always um, working, so therefore your end consumer did the best, you get the best service there, out there. So that's an advantage they achieve with that. And uh, so Angelo is a company who do suits for men. And you can imagine you, you, there are different sizes and you can order your individual suit. And they do this by also automating the manufacturing and with this automation, achieve more flexibility so that you not produce always the same thousands or more or less several thousands of times that you do it individually for the order that you get in. And this digitalization helps them to achieve this flexibility. Thank you very much. Fascinating. I'm, I'm so glad you pinpointed specific companies. Hans, we have just a couple more minutes left before we go into our predictions round called the crystal ball at the end of every show. Any other examples you'd like to add, Hans? Anything you'd like to comment on the three wonderful companies that Thomas mentioned? Continental, Train, Italia, and Sant'Angelo? Talk to me. There are many companies around the world who adopt this concept. So I was just in uh, China, and if you uh, look at uh, their automation there and then the companies are innovating there, it's fascinating as well. Um, there is a company uh, which uh, is building uh, construction equipment, um, and they use 5G networks in addition to the sensors which they put on the construction equipment and completely automate uh, the equipment. So what this means is if, uh, for example, construction workers are asked to work in very inhumane uh, environments, let's say it's super hot or super cold, they can actually remotely uh, use this uh, equipment uh, to do all the construction. 
Um, and the worker actually sits like in a video game in front of video screens and, um, yeah, uh, you really works uh, the, the construction equipment and it immediately reacts in real time so you know all the time what's going on. So this type of innovation uh, is amazing, right, what it enables us to do, um, how it actually eases also the uh, way of how people need to work um, and uh, how it actually really benefits uh, the entire world. So uh, there are many of these examples I could go on and on uh, for a long time if I just build on, on all of these examples. But this comes to my mind because it was a fascinating thing what I saw. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. It's always good to have concrete examples for people to say, oh, I've heard of that company or, hey, I want to know more about that company, right? I do have to do another shout out to Richard Howells, who is, as I mentioned, at SAP, the sponsor of this series, and he's working with Mindy Davis. And uh, Michelle Smith has also helped with uh, getting you on board, Hans, and we do a shout out to the three of them. But Richard posted a very interesting blog article today on Forbes uh, about an example that his son had ordered custom sneakers that were really, really cool. And he had a C on them because he was captain of his particular sports team at school. And everything went great. And then it was time to check out on this order form online. And he found out it would be six weeks until delivery. And the young man canceled the order. And so I posted that on Twitter today. And uh, Richard wrote this good article about what it takes to have an agile, flexible, on-time delivery through your supply chain, what Industry 4.0 means. Any quick comments on that, Hans? Has that ever happened to you where a company offered make-for-me, customized, it didn't matter how big and robust their supply chain was, they were going to give you the opportunity to have something that was just for you and you were so excited then it was, what, a month? Any thoughts quickly, Hans, from you and then Thomas, just a comment, and then we're going to go into our closing soon. Hans? Yes, of course, but I also had the other experience, right? So where I was running out of time buying Christmas presents and just mm-hmm. the last minute before I needed to catch a flight, I still thought, well, what can I order? And then I ordered products, um, and I don't want to mention the companies, but it took them 45 minutes to deliver an individualized product to me. And it was what? really a high-tech product, and so I had also that positive experience. 45 minutes to delivery. I'm falling, I'm falling off my chair, which is not good for a radio host. Oh my. You're, you're welcome to mention the company. If you want to give them a shout out, that's fine with me. I'll leave it up to you. You want to? Yeah, absolutely. It was Apple. Um, I ordered iPads and they were able to do that in 45 minutes. Wow. That's all I'm going to say. I, I'm, 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 I've been supporting Apple since 1988. <laughs> and that's good to know that it's that good. Thomas, quickly, we have time for you. Any, any good yep. or bad experiences with supply chain? Yep. Yeah, just to pick on the, the two, I think both show in a very, very nice way that the end consumer is unbelievably empowered today by decision-making uh, online, on the fly, whenever he wants, because he has the insights globally. You see the whole world in front of you are on your iPad. So therefore, companies who want to be successful in the future need to have this in mind and at the end need to catch industry for it all to deliver on time because it's not only manufacturing, it's the whole value chain. You have to, sim- yes. it's to bring it 
in 45 minutes to Hans. <laughs> Thank you. I have 60 seconds for each of you for predictions. We've been talking with a future focus through the whole show, and I'm so appreciative to both of you for how articulate you are and how savvy you are and the great insights and examples you shared. Hans Talbauer at SAP, 60 seconds. What do you predict? Go for Industry 4.0. Go. There are two words, actually, which will drive uh, the discussion. The one word is productivity, and the other one is sustainability. Mm. Both these topics will drive a lot of innovation um, and a lot of change in the next five years. Um, I do see both themes at the same level. Uh, The one driving new business innovation, new product innovation, I refer to sustainability, and the other one to do it the most efficient way, when I refer to productivity, and especially when it comes to productivity, this means we need to have connectivity, not just with the business partners, but really also to the things, to the assets, in order to really run businesses differently and create a predictive environment and not a reactive environment, which we have right now. So two things, productivity and sustainability. Thank you. Thomas, I saved exactly 60 seconds for your word, just about to end. Go ahead. Give me a fast prediction. What do you see? Yeah, this, I would just close the two that Hans mentioned with customer empowerment, customer centricity. So you all do that to make your customers happy. And with that, what Hans just described as productivity and industry follow though, you can make that happen. Thank you very much. Hans, Thomas, very appreciative of your time. Thank you so much. Again, a shout out to Richard Howells. SAP sponsor for this new series, Mindy Davis and Michelle Smith. Thanks for your support. My special engineer today, Ryan Treasure, VP of Operations at World Talk Radio. We're honored that you were able to find the time for us for this recording today. Uh, thank you very much, Ryan. And here's my call to action. I say it on all my shows, and I really mean it. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Hans Talbauer and just like Thomas Onimus. Bonnie D. Graham signing out. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Industry 4.0 in the Intelligent Enterprise, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.